morning, everyone. It's Friday, March 26th. It's This Week in XR with my pal Ted Chilowitz, the futurist for Viacom's Paramount Pictures. I'm Charlie Fink, Forbes columnist. And let's get right to the news. But uh, before we start, we're going to have Doug Jacobson and Athena Demos uh, from BRC VR. They are responsible for Black Rock City. Uh, on Altspace, which just won a Producers Guild of America award. So we'll have them as our special guests at the end of the podcast. But first, let's start with the news. Very busy this week, uh, focused on financing. So I would say things are heating up in VR land with Rec Room raising $100 million from blue chip VCs, which values them at an eye-popping $1.5 billion or almost $1,000 per user. So uh, Rec Room, Ted, wowzer. Yeah, Rec Room, and, and as you start to cover the rest of the news today, there's gonna be an interesting uh, thesis that will emerge about the kind of keep on keeping on uh, sort of uh, effect, right? That the, the, the news and the cycles and the pundits kind of move like this, right? But as you start to build a movement and as devices start to get scale and start to get interesting, the money for development and creation of the things that are starting to push the envelope around are starting to become real. And, and Rec Room is, is, is one of the, the, the you know, first most notable, but you've got five or six that are, that are cooking along that are generally uh, you know, generating uh, uh, fundraising and, and starting to see income and starting to see success. So it's yeah, a, it's so those other uh, sites are Applied VR, which just raised $29 million and they do pain mitigation through distraction therapy. Yes. So, you know, VR distracts, you don't see doctors and nurses uh, giving you shots or, you know, doing things that are unpleasant. Uh, you can be fully immersed somewhere else. And apparently it is super effective. Uh, so, you know, that was, I think, um, you know, their big epiphany and, and they have built upon it. Using VR in clinical settings is difficult. The headsets uh, really can't be sanitized. They're made of plastic. Uh, so somehow that's the problem that Applied has solved uh, and is helping a lot of people and keeping them off of opiate. So yep. good for them, $29 million. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully they'll be able to continue uh, to de develop their business. That is VR for good. Uh, on the more experimental side, and we've talked about this company before, Omni Virtuix, um, which was doing location-based entertainment based on uh, a system of wearing overshoes with ball bearings and running in a big plastic dish while held in place by a harness. Because yeah. of course, everybody feels like teleporting is not, is, is, you know, takes you out of the simulation and that the only true VR is free roam VR, uh, which is, you know, warehouse scale VR where you're mapping the real world into the VR location and, and you can affect it in real and, and, uh, virtual things inside the simulation. So totally amazing location-based, uh, you know, I'm talking about like the void and uh, zero latency and, and other companies like that. Oh, Virtuix had an idea to take this technology to the home. So right. you can now buy a dish and a harness for your home. I guess they've got 30 or 40 titles um, that use this method and it's proving to be an idea that has captured the imagination of tens of thousands of people who have purchased the dish in advance. Right. Um, and, and it's a, it's, you know, one of the rare but successful pivots of taking something and being nimble enough to understand that there is a market for this, 
that if the first market, because of world conditions, because of the pandemic and economic conditions and just the state of VR location-based, you know, th those economics, they started looking at what else can we do with this? And as it relates to something we talk about a lot, that rec room of the future, right? Where people are starting to make more dedicated spaces to enjoy their simulation. Thing. Mm. Yeah. And we've seen it reflected. Yeah, in a little holodeck. In, in a little holodeck in every man cave. <laughs> yeah, it's just a real thing. Um, yeah, so do the locomotion. Let's see how that works. That's some sweating in VR. Not my favorite thing, but clearly exercise in VR is becoming a really pretty big category. Yeah, I would say quickly. that is so, my most. You know, Virtuix could play a big role in that. Yeah, I would say that's my most favorite thing to do in VR is physical kinetic activity. I don't like to sit back on the couch and, and you know, move the controller around. I like to use the controllers as part of my body. I and you've heard me give that reference of the modern Wii effect, right? The Wii was the first to do that. Yes, yes. VR experience, and then yes. that's why Beat Saber and, and all the other things. Yes. Are you know, I like that connection. That is absolutely insightful and correct. Um, moving right along, Blipper, our buddies, Blipper, uh, one of the longest journeys in XR. A really interesting company that went from advertising to computer vision um, back to XR, uh, always using the camera. Uh, and the sensors on the phone at the center, but pivoting and pivoting to find a business model that will stick. And I think they finally have scaled themselves into the advertising business uh, as they originally intended to do, uh, I think at this point, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So good on these guys for hanging in there. Um, you know, they've uh, started to expand into the US and they've landed some blue chip clients for their, um, you know, uh, uh, AR mobile AR applications, which uh, I guess I guess they you know have running on all the relevance. So um, yeah, yeah, for yeah, like I said, Flipper. keep on keeping on, right? These yeah. companies that can hold together and know that there is a future to this, and you know, run through the rough times where there isn't a lot of scale, and know that that scale is coming. And now investors this week in particular are starting to to catch up to that vision again. It kind of comes in waves, yeah. right? So from the sublime to the ridiculous, I want to talk about a few VR titles uh, before we go into our special segment with Doug and Athena. Um, Gorilla Tag Phenomenon. An individual developer um, named, I think it's Kenister Smith, um, created a game inside of a, an environment that he threw together in Unity um, in order to keep the polygon count low and the number of participants high, it kind of looks like you're inside of an old 8-bit Nintendo game. And, um, and it's just a game of tag. And so he's had 125,000 downloads uh, on SideQuest. He's now also in App Lab. Uh, for those of you who don't know about App Lab, you can search it on your smartphone. And from your smartphone, you can install it uh, on your headset. So. Um, Ted, have you downloaded Gorilla Tag yet? I, I haven't yet, but I've been watching it and it is on my right. list this week to play. This, this weekend, you and I are going to go into Gorilla gonna Tag. Do it? Okay, it sounds good. Okay, uh, so, and, uh, so now I finally caught up with you and did something that you've done a long time ago. Uh, company's been around for about a year. I did something called Dr. Crumb's School for Disobedient Pets. And it is a multiplayer uh, escape room come role-playing adventure where you are cast as a 
kind of a cartoon character like um, a Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the mm -hmm. 60s, right? So, you know, you've got Deputy Dog and all the Hanna-Barbera-ish characters and uh, you're infiltrating the lair of a mad scientist who thinks you're there to audition to be a minion, but you actually have a secret mission to destroy their laboratory. Give it all away, Charlie. We want people to go play it. But yes, you're right. So, but but I mean, here's the thing: you are inside of this cartoon. Yes. And you end up role playing. You know, yes. so it's one of these things. They should film the whole thing and put it on Twitch because this is like you know everybody gets to be suddenly a performer inside of VR. I think that is absolutely part of the plan: is to scale it out and. And it is not just about playing it, it's about watching other people that are really good at it. There's a, there's a sense of that, um, yeah. that theater sports kind of effect and like those, those fun moments where things just go awry and boy, it should be great to show that to other people. So I know they're, they're yeah. looking at, you know, VR as their main kind of core user, but they're gonna sort of do cross-platform and allow it to get to a lot of people. So it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think like broadly what you're talking about um, is, if you look at like the success of a game like Among Us, and now you mentioned Gorilla Tag, we mentioned Adventure Lab, they're all like core ideas of story and fun that go back to like our kid campfire games, right? Yeah. They're really simple. Tag is the simplest game of all, right? But if you build the right philosophy around it and the right visuals, even if they're very crude you know, Nintendo 8-bit visuals, fun is, fun is the most fun. Like that's the thing that's more important than anything else. So up to up to eight people can go to adventurelab.fun uh, and each show is 99 bucks. I guess they kind of split it with the live performer who plays multiple roles yeah. and they are hilarious and great and have wonderful control over the experience uh, and a lot of experience running. They're like the little game masters, uh, you know, running these uh, interactive um, you know, role-playing escape rooms. So uh, adventurelab.fun, if you get eight friends, you know, it's like $13 each. So uh, hi highly recommended, um, you know, along the same lines, uh, Double Eyes, uh, uh, Venice VR winner, uh, Finding Pandora X was at South by Southwest. Uh, it also shows that this idea of live performers in VR is going to be a very big genre. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think it's great. It uh, will lead to new appreciation for live performers and, of course, a great outlet for performers, amateur and professional, all over the world to finally be able to find an audience, however um, small it is, although they intend to scale up to 20 people in a simulation, which would be a crowd in VR, at least at this moment. So that's our news. Let's now get to our special segment with Doug and Athena. We have a special guest this week, Doug Jacobson and Athena Demos of BRC, Big Rock Creative, which created Black Rock City VR, uh, which is part of the Burning Man online effort that has survived Burning Man and become uh, its own thing. And it's exclusively on Altspace. It's great. The first time I did it, um, I said, this is the best VR experience of 2020. And they've just won a PR, a PGA award to prove that, that I was right. Uh, so I appreciate that, you guys. <laughs> Congratulations. I know you've won other awards. Um, sorry to for the long preamble, but I am so excited to have you here. And again, congratulations on this great honor. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Thank you very much. The PGA. So, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Charlie. No, I was I was going to say, tell us how um, the Burning Man project came about and what's going on with it now. Oh, um, the the Burning Man project came about uh, through an happenstance. Um, I was looking around for a place to throw some parties with an eye towards my birthday, and I started checking out all the VR platforms because I knew COVID was hitting a year ago, almost to the year, um, and so. Um, I happened to choose Altspace because I like the vibe there. Uh, and so uh, that one little choice caused a series of crazy events that landed us here in front of Charlie Fink. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, Doug's not kidding with one year because on April 3rd of last year, we uploaded the virtual playa to Altspace. So, and then one week later, Marion announced the cancellation of Burning Man. So it actually happened a week before. And the reason why we even had it is because in 2015, our, um, our other partner, uh, Greg Edwards, created the virtual playa just as a Burning Man project. He was in VR and he just wanted to do it. And so he had it on a hard drive sitting on a shelf. So it was sort of like everything fell into place, what we, we call that playa magic at Burning Man, where all the connections happened and everything fell into place exactly the way it needed to, so that this moment right here and now would happen. <laughs> yeah, winning a PGA award is a hometown special thing for me because, you know, my background is I went to USC film school and I made a Burning Man doc. So to win a PGA award for a Burning Man themed thing is a little bit of kismet uh, for me. And um, it, most people outside, some of the people who we've told this to go, well, I didn't know you golfed, but you know, uh, but for everybody living in Los Angeles and, and knows the industry, that's it's very, it's very hometown for us, for sure. Very, very happy about that. The, uh, one of the great experiences, I'll just talk a little bit, but I want you guys to tell us how it survived Burning Man um, and, uh, and, and what's going on with it now. But I just want to say for those who visit, uh, on Altspace, and I highly recommend it. Um, it is, and, and visit at different times uh, because the environment changes from day to night. Um, if you don't know how to do it, go into settings and spawn a flight tool on Altspace. You can also Google that, it's really pretty easy to do. And then you can fly above and around the playa. And it does one of those things that VR does so well, which is reveals scale. And you can go from being a little mouse to being a, a giant. You know, to be you know in God mode. So uh, you know, it's so exciting to do that. That was, I think, the big thrill for me to you know not only you know be in kind of a magical place, but then to get superpowers within it. Um, and I think it's fantastic that it has persisted. Tell us what, what's going on with that. Well, I so I spent 15 years of my life as the regional um, kind of like ambassador to Burning Man in Los Angeles. So I was producing events for the community and building community. And so that's what I know. And was part of this project, I was like, we're gonna build community. And so after burn week happened, that's what it was. It was like, well, let's do an event. We normally do a, a decompression, which is an event that happens after burn week because we all miss each other. And so I was like, well, we need to do something like that. So we did something the end of October and 
And then a whole bunch of the Mexico burners wanted to get involved because they wanted to create a Dia de los Muertos sort of project. So we did that in conjunction. And then we did something in November. And then we did something in December. And we used to host these Friday night. Oh, and then we did New Year's, which was a massive, amazing celebration with like, I don't know, we had like 30 or 40 worlds participating of our 200 worlds that we had for Burn Week. And we started doing Friday night parties to stress test the system and see how it worked and test out different hacks. Um, and, uh, and those Friday night parties became community building. Like people knew that we were gonna be doing them every other week and they could just come onto the platform. And our next one is on April 2nd. And we're gonna be celebrating our playaversary, our one year anniversary. We're also gonna be celebrating our PGA win with the community. We did a little party for our crew, but this is gonna be like the, you know, come on out and celebrate with us on April 2nd. Are you gonna make a giant scale version of the trophy and put it out there in the center of the playa? Um, I don't know, Doug, are we? I don't know. I haven't seen the trophy. <laughs> Might be up too many polygons. I don't know. No, um, the, um, the uh, yeah, so, we, so we're kind of turning, yeah, we kind of realized that like we, we, we didn't want to mothball it and then come back a year later. Um, we wanted to do this. We, we kept going and then we realized a lot of people want to keep going to just be part of connectivity. So we've, we've taken that pretty far and uh, we're going to keep going year round. There was always a question um, at Burning Man every year and in the regionals. It was like, what if we could do this year round? What if we could have this oasis, this utopia year round? What would that look like? And, and after burn week was over, we were like, what do we do? Do we take it down? Do we leave it up? And we were left with this, like, wow, we get to answer this question. We've always wondered, what if Burning Man was year round? And we found out that some people use it, some people don't. Lots of people love it, and it definitely fulfills a need, especially during COVID. But I even think after COVID, Burning Man is always a location-based experience, and you can only have a certain number of people in it, and you have to go to that location. So there's this massive carbon footprint of everyone getting to that location, and it's super expensive. But BRCVR is radically inclusive to use one of the Burning Man principles. It's radically inclusive, it's communal effort, it's civic responsibility, and in a way it's leave no trace because you don't have that giant carbon footprint. And so it fulfills these principles and it fulfills a community need. And I, I, I think it is the year round Burning Man experience. Well, and I'll, I'll just drop in here for a second because it's fun to listen to you guys, but it's, it's interesting to think about the fact that the right visual tool to do what you're doing is virtual reality and not mm -hmm. a web portal or something that's sort of 2D and small. And like the, the idea of scale and scope and being able to enter into a place, that's what we're seeing with a lot of um, these sort of draw events, right? Burning Man is a big draw for a certain type of person and a certain goal set. Things like Comic-Con and these other big conferences that we go to draw a large amount of people, but still limited. Like you can, you know, you, you're still dealing with long lines and, and limited capacity and all the film festivals we're involved in. But the idea of taking it into a tool that creates a simulation event as opposed to a, just a representation is a really, it, it's the right trajectory for what you're doing with Burning Man because right. that visual experience is what you're trying to get out of Burning Man. 
not a bunch of text and blogging, right? It's, you need to see it, feel it. So that's, it's interesting. Yeah, we, we, uh, we always try to build toward for the, so we're, we're kind of a top down, we're, we're building everything for the in-headset VR experience first, and then Mac, PC, and eventually iOS and Android. We don't, I don't personally love walking around on my phone and looking at people and listening to music. Um, walking up to people and saying hi, but but as long as we nail that first, and we live and breathe that mobile VR, you know that 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 optimization, and so um, we are we're hoping to double or triple the size of the amount of worlds we have associated with this project this year. Yeah, that would make sense. That that this is infinitely scalable, like you said, it's radically open because you can give people a tool set and they can dive into technology, and we're seeing this across all parts of these mediums, right? Like yeah. what you're doing has a sort of a kissing cousin effect to what Fortnite is doing, oddly enough, right? With right. A, people gathering in a virtual space and seeing the art being represented in whatever that art form might be, music or-, or uh, Right, so one of the things we want to do with Big Rock Creative is sort of our, you know, larger umbrella is that we want to redesign the music festival, the convention uh, uh fest uh, pop, like a pop culture convention with the eye towards looking at it from a vr perspective like rather than take a coachella and try to cram it into a vr space but still have the still have the baggage of coachella not that there's baggage with coachella but you know what i'm saying like a hundred coachella is designed for a massive space a hundred thousand people in that space you can't recreate that in vr you'll be alone no uh, with so you've got to redesign the whole experience and rethink the whole thing. And that's what we've been really- But uh, I would also say that a crowd of 50 or 100 people in VR seems like a pretty big crowd. Yeah. Well, yeah. it does. So what we, yeah. Exactly. And, and so that's a great segue. You brought up Comic-Con. We're talking about conventions. So we're reimagining and looking at a new way of gathering people, taking it's social immersive VR into consideration. And so this weekend, tomorrow, today and tomorrow, but mainly tomorrow, we are doing a proof of concept with um, Golden Apple Comics in Los Angeles, um, iconic comic book store and heavy metal publishing, iconic uh, publishing company. And we are, WonderCon is this weekend. And so we're doing a watch party of one of the heavy metal panels and then a live Q&A with those creators. It's uh, George C. Romero and Blake Northcott and Brandon Columbus. Matt um, uh, Medney is going to be moderating and they're going to be in Avatar, <laughs> in Altspace, in Golden Apple Comics. We, we have great developers. Um, uh, I'm just going to do a shout out, Cause and Christy, because they are amazing. They recreated the Golden Apple comic book store and then created this promenade in the back that is stunning. And so you can't have what they just created in Los Angeles in a location-based place. But, you know, we have a motto in Big Rock Creative. If you can hallucinate it, we can create it. And Ryan of Golden Apple had this vision and our developers created it. And now we're gonna have this cute live Q&A panel uh, and a meet and greet. You'll get to, this is another way that the creators, this is something that um, is, is special to uh, pop culture conventions is that you get to meet these people that you've been reading their art 
and their creativity and now you get to engage with them this yeah. allows the engagement from the, your own living room yeah you're, this is a you're very, engaging this is a very popular this is a very popular topic that charlie and i it's a it's a recurring theme in this podcast about things that used to only be able to exist in the real world can now exist in a simulation world right. and because these headsets are starting to become consumer friendly and ubiquitous. We can start to have invite events and wide scale events that have a scalability that like, if you tried to take it to Golden Apple, you know, they'd fill up the parking lot really fast and that would be it. And also it, it, it delocalizes it, right? That's yeah. what we're seeing with conferences. World, it gives so, it world yeah, world. I mean, a, a conference based on Zoom sucks. Okay, we all agree with that. Well, on the other hand, uh, a conference used to have a couple of thousand people now has a hundred thousand people, you know, so, you know, and, and instead of costing thousands of dollars, it costs somebody hundreds of dollars to attend. And, you know, so you're weighing now the interests of those 5,000 uh, people who are lucky enough to be uh, wealthy and can afford it or work for a company that's covering their expenses. And, you know, it excludes, you know, everybody else working in the industry. So, right. you, know, I, you know, I'm not sure that the needs of the 5,000 outweigh the needs of the 95,000. So, <laughs> I, I, and, and again, the, the better we get at replacing reality and VR is clearly the answer to that, um, you know, is, is, you know, and again, the 95,000 people are gonna have VR. It only costs $300 to be in VR. And then I, I think, you know, as, as technology improves and, and obviously bandwidth is a barrier as is sound. And, you know, those problems have to be set, solved to have, you know, a thousand people simultaneously, you know, occupying an instance of a simulation. But clearly, I mean, do any of us really doubt that that's the world five years from now? No. No, it's the world Maybe. tomorrow. Yeah, so you guys are in the right place at the right time. The award is well-deserved. Thank you for coming on the show. It's, you know, Athena and Doug, I mean, it's so wonderful to see you in a real, in the real, we have a, a very deep relationship with Altspace and have met there, you know, a dozen times. But, you know, here you are, uh, you know, on video, it's not as good as being there, but it also is an interesting uh, twist uh, and and might I say, although Doug uh, admittedly does not look like his avatar, Athena, you look surprisingly like your avatar. <laughs> so uh, anyway, good on you for for pulling that off too. I feel like you know I didn't get really good choices in the um, in the alt space store like you did. Um, anyway, it's uh, if you can check out um, BRC VR Black Rock City VR, the recreation of Burning Man on alt space. Uh, it's free, it's huge, um, it's got amazing scale uh, and love and uh, attention uh, lavished upon it. So I encourage you all to visit. Thank you for listening to our show this week um, and uh, have a great weekend. <laughs>